This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is... You win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that has eaten too much Christmas pudding. Now, Chelsea continues to pummel the opposition with shots and attempts on goal, but still come away with too little to show for it. Are they being wasteful or just unlucky? And is a thumping on the cards for someone soon? All in all, Everton were unlucky, or we were unlucky really, or they were unlucky to get away with it. Or were they lucky to get away with it? Who knows? I wrote the script, if only it made sense in English. But anyway, bottom line is, it was a nil-nil draw last Saturday, which was a bit frustrating. Uh, and then uh, this, uh, this, well, Boxing Day against Brighton, after a ropey first half against them, uh, the real Chelsea made an appearance with some dazzling football and we uh, we brought a 2 nil uh, win home which is just as well, because I think if you'd have lost on Boxing Day, it would have been a real bummer. So there you go. Now, we closed the year just one point behind United, who are themselves showing some inconsistency, leading to Jose Mourinho to lash out and blame everybody and anyone and anything. Uh, So we need to rein them in, I think. And if we can't catch City, then we need to make sure we can hold on to second spot. Would that be a decent defence of the title? Who can say? Maybe us later on. You'll never know. Anyway, the title of tonight's show is Heads We Win. You know the rest. Anyway, the Chelsea Fancast number 409. And on me tonight, as I said uh, before we went on air, slight lineup change tonight. But as ever, we have the wonderful, festive Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Oh, How like are you, dear boy? Lovely, thank you. I'm enjoying myself immensely. Thank you. Good, good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, we also have my old mucker, who I I saw looking very peaky blind, as it has to be said, on the CFC UK stall on Boxing Day. Mr. Mark Tom Shelby Warren. Warren? Where did that come from? Warrell, even. Buonasera. And how are you, Marco? Yeah, very good. Um, yeah, uh, out in the wilds of Norfolk at the moment. Norfolk. Returning tomorrow to Londinium. 
Lovely stuff. So Marco's in the, in the back of beyond, uh, and somebody who is uh, who is in in the, in the land of snow. He's in he's in the wonderful Copenhagen. But uh, we were going to have Alex Churchill on the show tonight, but uh, Alex is at the moment stuck in uh, the hell of IKEA somewhere. So she's had to drop out. But uh, very thankfully, I'm I'm delighted to say we've got a last minute super sub, Mr. Joe Tweeds. How are you, Joe? Hey, cheers. Yeah, really, uh, really well. And always, yeah, glad to be honest, as usual. Yeah, it's lovely. Really nice to have you on. Nice, uh, nice. If anybody could fill in, I, I doubt if I could choose anybody better than you. So I'm very <laughs> delighted to have you all on the show. Uh, it's not often, actually. Quite often, uh, I'm a bit lazy and I, I long off the old uh, fan cast between Christmas and New Year. <laughs> Uh, but I thought, well, sod it, you know, let's do one. Why not? And uh, and here we are. Even though I'm 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 kind of suffering from far too much Christmas pudding and everything else. I'm, you know, I could pro- probably be better off just having a sleep. But there you go. Hopefully, the show will revive us all, me particularly. Now, on said show tonight, we're going to be asking why Chelsea's been so schizophrenic this season and have they been wasteful or just unlucky? Uh, in part two, we praise Caesar or Cesar Aspilicueta for you lot, uh, the great assister, and also Morata and Alonso for being head and shoulders above Brighton. Uh, and we'll have a chat about the Boxing Day fixtures. Uh, uh, you, know, you know, basically, are they all that? As Adrian Durham uh, might say. But there you go. In part three, we look back at a frustrating draw against Everton and look forward to keeping the momentum going against Stoke this coming Saturday. Uh, in part four, there are no emo- emails this week. Uh, everybody's been too busy with Christmas, Jonathan, so sorry about that. Um, but as it's the last show of the year, uh, I thought we could... I thought we could reflect back on uh, on Chelsea's, uh, you know, Chelsea's year, 2017, and uh, perhaps reveal our hopes for 2018. Uh, you know, I'm sure we've got a few things on our wish list. Now, don't forget, of course, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea fancast, where you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page, as so many of you do. Uh, not, the, not the usual number in there tonight, listening live, but I can forgive you. Uh, you're probably having to part up with your family for the fourth day in a row. You have my sympathies. But we do have some lovely people in there, including the ever-so-lovely Paul Crowder, uh, who, uh, who of course, we all know and love. He's out in L.A. He says, Merry Christmas to us all, uh, and uh, and then says, Hello, Mr. Worrell, Buona Natale. And then says, who's burping and messing with their microphone? I suspect it's Jonathan that's burping, Paul. And I think it's Marco that's messing with his microphone. So thanks for letting us know. Uh, but there's loads of people in there. Good, uh, well, good evening to you all, or good morning, or good afternoon, wherever you are. Uh, and a happy new year to you. And I hope you all had a great Christmas. Now, um, after the break, we're going to be talking football. So, um, we're going to talk Brighton first, or the Chelsea-Brighton match. Uh, I mean, if ever there was a game of two halves, uh, that would have been it. Um, We were, I have to be honest, you know, I think we were woeful in the first half, but we were dazzling in the second. And, you know, if if one game can encapsulate our season this this season, I I think it's that. But I'd be curious to know what 
what Antonio Conte said at half time, Jonathan, because whatever he said, it had the desired effect, did it not? Well, yeah, I, I was bemused to see the same team come out because I thought he'd have at least he'd have made one change. But they came out and I thought, and for the first few seconds, we sort of gave the ball away again. And we all said to each other watching, oh, it's going to be exactly the same as the first half. And then suddenly the tempo was upped and uh, and we got the first goal. And from then on, everybody buzzed about like a completely set of different bees. Bees who were in the, um, were now buzzing around outside the hive as opposed to just sitting about lazily eating Christmas pud. But um, that was my worry that we'd all sort of, you know, we'd had too much success over the uh, on Christmas Day. Not that footballers are supposed to do that, but no, indeed. Uh, but what what do you think he does say at half time? Does he say, um, uh, uh, you know, come on, guys, we're going to go together. Come on, what's going on? Uh, terrible impression of content. Uh, but, uh, uh, but he does um, a lot of that, doesn't he? He's like, uh, I think, yeah. I think, I, I kind of fantasise this. I'll be honest with you, mate. I felt I, I wasn't particularly one hundred percent on on Boxing Day. And it was cold, and, and, and you know, I I I felt quite quite sleepy, you know. So I kind of had a little bit of sympathy with the players if they'd had a Christmas day like I had. But I kind of fantasised while I was, you know, dozing in Gate Seventeen, that he was saying, "If you play like that in the second half, I will kill you." That's kind of what I think, <laughs> you know. And I think maybe that worked, you know. If if you know, if you play like that in the second half, another horse dies or whatever. I think he got a bit Godfather on them, frankly. I don't know, Marco. What what do you make? Because it was a bit weird, wasn't? It? I mean, as I said, it kind of encapsulated the season as a whole in some respects. But you know, they they were a different team in the second half, weren't they? Sort of felt. I don't know. It was like it was almost um, felt like it was a twelve forty five kickoff. Yeah. Don't wake up until the second half in those games. Um, and it, I mean, it was it was it was horrible, really. It was just a minging day weather-wise, wasn't it? A bit mm. cold, and then the rain, sleet started coming down. Um, I, I just don't. I, I just question whether they were actually up for it, which is a dreadful thing to say. Um, they just didn't look up for it in the first half. Brighton's crowd were obviously giving it the large one, and and rightly so because um, there wasn't too much evidence of this of, of our support. Um, waking anybody up from uh, their slumbers, so I, I think it was like um, it was uh, the, the, the sum of a few parts there conspired to uh, make for a somnambulant first forty-five minutes. Uh, Paul Paul Crowder, who is now my former friend, uh, has just written on Mixler. It looks so cold there, watching from here in LA in 25 centigrade centigrade weather yeah thanks Paul really needed that um it's a really weird thing Joe I I can't get my head around it I wrote I wrote I mean really oddly because we we played brilliantly in the second half we won 2-0 we we were on a decent run of form let's be fair uh and yet the 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 article I wrote for Yahoo who I think are still also asleep after Christmas because I don't think they published it they haven't yet but I, I read it back and I thought, God, it sounded really whiny and moany and quite whingy about it. But there is something, you know, I, I kind of left off with saying, I hope that Conte can do something to, you know, to get them to snap out of, of, of the, if it's quite, you know, it's quite a schizophrenic team in a way, you know. And uh, no matter how well we play, I, I always have that feeling that we've got a duff half or a duff game in us for some reason. And I, and I, I posed the question, I, I really don't know what it is. Is it... Is it they're just not used to playing two games a week, so that's had an effect on them? Is it because they 
are complacent and arrogant. They think they just have to turn up against some of these sides. I mean, they should know better by now about that. Is it a mental thing? I mean, is it they lack focus and concentration? You know, I really can't put my finger on it, but the, the, I have to be honest and say there's something that that just begets these kind of halves or performances. I mean, what do you think it might be, Joe? I think to, to your first point there, Chidge, about sort of the, not necessarily the kind of whining, but I, I think in, in some cases, particularly this season, it, it's sort of justified in a way because when you look at the first and second halves, I mean, it's almost like there's a, a completely different team has turned up in the second half. So yeah. kind of naturally as a fan, you're kind of thinking, well, why, why don't we start games like this? Why do we have to wait until Conte either injects Red Bull directly into the veins of all the players or shouts and screams until he's blue in the face of them. What I, mean, I think a, a point that's being made in Mixler is we start games so slowly this season. We seem to kind of have this sort of 20-minute period of we kind of pass the ball left to right, left to right, left to right, and nothing really seems to happen. Um, we're kind of looking for that sort of early goal to kind of give us a, an injection of, of, I don't know, just some kind of injection to the team. Um I, I personally think it's a combination of all three. I think we, we lack a bit of focus. Um, I think Conte potentially has given them a an excuse to be complacent with his his words about, you know, we're, we're already out of the title race or we were never in the title race or whatever it is that he said a little while ago. I do think that, that filters through to the players. Um, and then we look at the squad size again. Um, you know, we've, we're playing, I think, you know, Marcus Alonso is playing absolutely every single minute of every game. When he comes off, it, it's, there's a noticeable drop in that left-hand side. But it's just a, a case of, I think, we're, we're really playing a lot of the players um, you know, to every sort of three days, which is, I suppose, it's kind of normal for Chelsea, but maybe not normal for this group of players. I think there is an element of complacency, as I said. And I don't know, I mean, again, if, you, if you've got a team that, that almost has, uh, you know, there was almost 100% difference in the in the effort and attitude and application from the first and second half. So maybe you've got to start pointing some fingers at some of the players and saying, are they focused enough? Are they prepared enough in themselves at the start of games? Because... I think, you know, what you're saying, what, what did Conte say at halftime? He shouldn't need to, to have, mm. um, I think it might have been Alonso after the game who had kind of a wry grin on his face when someone asked him what was actually said during halftime. In other words, sort of kind of, you know, intimating that Conte probably bollocked the life out of them at halftime. You know, does, does he have to do that at halftime just to get them to, to play as they can? I don't know. But, yeah, it's uh, I, I think it's a fair question and probably elements of all three there, Chidge. Okay, that's a really good answer, mate, actually. And I, I'm curious, JK, because it's, you know, it, I, I, he, Conte himself has actually, you know, said that there are several players who are not used to playing, you know, two games in a week. And actually, I think, and Joseph makes a good point there that, you know, the four of us, you know, we're used to the attritional nature of the Premier League because we're English and we've been watching Chelsea for a combined well over 100 years, I think. But the, the bottom line is we we know that. We understand that you have to be at it every game from the first minute, that there are no walkovers in this league. Um but that begs the question to me, you know, we know that. And I think enough of, the, enough of the players have played in this league to know that it's like that. So should some of the culpability be with Conte for not, you know, drumming that into them before every match? And the other thing, you know, which occurred to me actually while Joe was saying that, Jonathan, was that, you know, we don't have the characters like, uh, you know, like John Terry in the dressing room anymore. And you can't, I can't believe that John Terry would let them walk onto the pitch feeling a bit, a little bit complacent. Oh, well, we don't have to play at 100% today. We'll easily do this lot. So do you, th- do you think Conte should have some of the, you know, should take some of the blame for this? Well, I'm trying to work out who the players would be who haven't uh, uh, experienced the uh, the Premier League. Bakayoko, obviously, perhaps. So, so it's perhaps it's a... Maratta. A, a, a Maratta. Just, well, who else is there, though? Everybody else has played. Um, 
I must admit, I do find find some of them uh, um, just seem to lose focus and interest uh, on occasions, which I don't, I don't, I don't know what that's all about. Perhaps it's the same thing. But um, uh, they surely must be used to the uh, the amount of uh, the number of games they. Or the, they must also he must he must instill into them that there are no easy fixtures um, and that. Um, uh, well, I mean, I found weird was the fact that Brighton played exactly the same way as Huddersfield, except perhaps Brighton were a bit, uh, Huddersfield were a bit narrower, so he could play those big balls to the wing. But he he played, we played at such pace against Huddersfield, and he he played um, uh, William and Pedro from the beginning, didn't he? In that, but then he played William and Pedro in the Everton game, and that didn't work. So perhaps he's not sure what what to play at the moment, and perhaps he thinks we should start defensively. I mean, I tend to blame him at the moment for this for this lack of uh, pace. He seems to be very keen on playing defensively at the beginning of the games. That's why we seem to pass the ball about a bit. It's almost as if testing the opposition out. And uh, um, uh, and as Joe said, that's not that. That's not, to me. That's not the way to play. You should go for it from there. I don't think you did say this actually, Joe. But um, I think you need to go from that. Go for it from the beginning. I, I would yeah. rather we were we were three nil up as we were against Huddersfield, and then he can bring the defenders on or or change it around a bit than uh, than go through this twenty minutes. This twenty minutes thinking, oh, we'll test them out a bit. I mean, you know, City at the moment just go for it from the very beginning, don't they? And so do so do Liverpool, but they're they defensively they're not nowhere near as good as us. Um, uh, Liverpool, I mean, but uh, but City seem to uh, that's their approach. It's non-stop attack, isn't it? So um, perhaps he should be taking a leaf out of their book. He just seems to be a little bit. I mean, because there's a lot, been a lot of grumbling recently, which I find surprising, but then I, I probably read that on social media, so that needs to be taken with a certain pinch of salt. But I think it's fair to say that he is quite cautious and, and not unlike a lot of Italian managers in that respect. Um, you know, but, you know, how can you argue with him? I mean, he's won the league, for Christ's sake, in his first season. He's clearly a decent manager, isn't he, Marco? It's proven himself to be um, a phenomenal manager. Yeah, exactly. You can't take that away from him. Um, I do wonder, you know, I I do wonder whether um, there's a little bit of uncertainty still hovering around in the background, um, concern over, you know, uh, that whole striker situation and what's going to happen in the January transfer window and you know the expectation of Abramovich and the fact that City are going to win the league by a country mile I think all of those things I mean he's clearly a guy that you know lies awake at night thinking um, everything through Um, and I guess I guess he's never quite you know he won't have experienced what he's experiencing now um, you know in in Syria or managing uh, you know, the Atsuri. So, uh, you know, he won the league in his first season at Chelsea and it's not quite as easy this time around. So, you know, he's probably sitting there thinking, God, it's cold in London, isn't it? Uh, (laughs) Well, you know what? I was going to say, one one thing that we don't factor in, and and I mean, and I I think actually a lot of supporters are really guilty of this, uh, not least our, our friends on social media, but, you know, football players, football managers, they are not automatons. They are not robots. They are human beings. And I mean, you know, I, you know, I, I'll be I'll be honest. I, I wasn't as up for it 
on Boxing Day as I might have been if it was a massive match, you know, or if I'd had more to drink or if I hadn't stuffed my face <laughs> stupid for the last two days. So, you know, I, I defy anybody to claim that they're 100%, uh, you know, in their job every minute, every day, every year. You know, you, you wouldn't be human if you did that. And I think I think sometimes we forget that. You know, they, they are humans. They, they are flawed. You know, they're not perfect. So anyway, I'm just going to move it on, actually, because the other point I wanted to make, um, I mean, it's a little bit kind of relates to the Everton and a lot of... I mean, actually, interesting stat. I mean, it's the third game in a row uh, where we've had 25 shots there or thereabouts and, and eight on target. And yet, you know, we've only got three goals to show for it. Uh, the Southampton goal and the two against Brighton, obviously the nil-nil against Everton and you know we've talked about this on the show before uh, and, and it's a really difficult I think it's a really difficult one to nail actually because you know are we are we wasteful or, or were we unlucky you know I, I, I cannot understand how Eden Hazard did not score for example uh, I mean he did everything that he could to score and yet he still didn't so is that bad luck or is, is it bad finishing what, what is it what is it Joe oh it's a tricky one um I mean, I mean, I kind of look at our team, and if you sort of, if you maybe go through maybe sort of the maybe the top four finishers in the in the team, I think one of them is probably Marcus Alonso, who's a left wing back, so he's obviously not going to shoot as much. Hazard's probably one of the best finishers, but from my opinion, doesn't take anywhere near as many shots as he should do. Morata, anything in the air, I'm expecting him to score. Anything on the ground, it's a little bit hit and miss. And Batshuayi, he was a fantastic finisher, but rarely gets himself in a position to show that. So. Yeah, maybe Pedro, if you chuck Pedro in there as well in terms of finishing. So I don't think we're necessarily blessed with with absolute sharpshooters at the moment in terms of, you know, it's kind of one chance, one goal, sort of maybe a bit how Costa was uh, sort of, you know, when he went through his hot patches when he was here, he would sort of just have maybe one or two chances and you, you know that he'd probably score in a game. I think we, we maybe don't have that level of... Uh, we're not kind of at that sort of clinical level of finishing at the moment. Um, I mean, there's an element, I think some of the goalkeepers we played against have played particularly well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's just a case of sometimes our, our finishing isn't the best. Uh, you know, these these awful uh, shot placement graphics on whoscored.com. But if you actually have a look at some of them, so many of the shots tend to be kind of towards the middle of the goal. And I imagine that's probably where most goalkeepers are comfortable saving them. So I think it's a little bit to do with our, our finishing quality not necessarily being as high as it is. I mean, again, I said if if we cross the ball to Morata 50 times a game, I expect him to maybe score, you know, 25 goals. He's that good in the air. But I think sometimes when it's on the deck, we've seen him, um, you know, not necessarily be as clinical. Same with Hazard as well. I, I wish Hazard would shoot more. I think he's a very good finisher. But sometimes he takes the extra touch or he tries to beat another man or, or play someone else in. Maybe we just don't have the, uh, the, the the kind of the finishing quality that we maybe had in the passage. Mm. Well, on the other hand, I mean, you know, I, I kind of share your your view about Hazard, and I, and, I, and I wish he was let. I wish he was more selfish, actually. But you know, that 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 shot that was cleared off the line. I mean, exactly, if he yeah. scored that, that would have been just brilliant. It was almost George Best like. I mean, he put two Brighton defenders on their ass before he put that shot away. And if that idiot hadn't been on the line, it would have been a goal. <laughs> you know, so it, it's it's really difficult, and I find myself really really conflicted. I mean. You know, I, I wonder, actually, well, I think Joe makes a really good point there, Marco, and I'm just thinking what you were thinking last week, and I put in another article I wrote for somebody, I can't even remember who now, but, uh, you know, a, a cheeky bid, for, we, we need a fox in the box, a cheeky bid for Aguero maybe next month, what do you think? Uh, I, I, just just to go back to Hazard, if you, if you look at his, um, the way his, um, his relationship with Maratta, when when the two of them fit and up for it two playing together 
that, that's a great partnership. And yeah. I just think Hazard needs, you know, he's a, he's a wonderful player and he's got, you know, a goal like he scored against Arsenal in him against any kind of opposition, you know, and as you said, he, he could have had a goal like that against Brighton. Um on 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 Saturday, but I just think he plays better in a side with a, a confident out and out striker. So if Morata's not tired or feeling his back a bit or whatever, um, you know, you get the best out of Hazard and Morata feeds off it, and Chelsea, you know, look an enticing proposition as they did in the second half um, against Brighton and have done on you know plenty of other occasions. But yeah, I mean, just to get back to that point, you know, I. I don't know what we're going to do in January. You know, I mean, that deal that Liverpool put in for um, Van Dijk is, is a stupid amount of money, you know, for a player who's maybe worth, you know, 40 million. And, and uh, I think that's strong in it a bit. So, what, you know, Chelsea are in that desperate situation where, you know, they need a striker. And I, I, I did an, I wrote an article about this today, actually. You know, that Aguero thing fanciful you know we could offer to pay pay Tottenham's uh, pay for Tottenham's new stadium in exchange for Harry Kane not going to happen Alexis, <laughs> Alexis Sanchez you know that's a nice one he can play anywhere across the front um, that, that 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 would be nice but I, you know do you know what I think I think there's obviously a, a good relationship between the boards of the club given the business that's gone on between um, Leicester and Chelsea. I'd just go and test Leicester's resolve for for Vardy, give them back Shuai. Um, you know that that kid'll score goals. He'll score a goal in the Camp Nou. Um, so you think they they might go for somebody like Crouch. You could buy Crouch for for six months, couldn't you? Freak. Yeah, we, we can we can shout that for our own player. <laughs> He's a Chelsea <laughs> fan, J.K. You know that, don't you? I know. Can, so, sorry to interrupt, Marco. Can I just say one moment? I, I just, I'm bemused by the fact, you know, you do that fans thing of when you're with the player, the player's got the ball and you can see them going towards the goal and you think, now's the chance to have a dip. Now, go for it now because the goalkeeper's moving across and Hazard does, Hazard goes up to the goal and you think, there's the moment for the shot and, he, yeah. and, he'll, and he'll take it left and you'll go, and there's the moment for the shot because <laughs> the, goal, the goalkeeper's now out. You can see the goalkeeper is moved and he can't see the ball because it's defender again. There's a the moment for the shot. And Hazard then takes it right again. And you go, but no, no, he's missed two chances now. And then he has a shot and he hits the defender. And yeah. you just think, I don't understand the choices here that are being made. Or even even um, several others have done it. Um, uh, um, uh, Fabregas does it regularly where you think, oh, come on, there's the shot. I can see it. You've got that moment. Or even just the one moment of control, you think, why are you controlling it? Just ping it now, first time. Nobody will expect it. It might hit somebody and go in. The goalkeeper's not not in position. Why why do they have to take one, you know, a step or a, or, or control it again? I just don't get that from, from Me the, neither. From the, Me neither. There's such a there's such a top team. They're okay. Second half I thought they were great, Chelsea. They really, really yeah. they put the ball around so beautifully. And uh, you think, God, these are good players. And they're so, so much better than, than Brighton, the Brighton players and the Everton players and the Huddersfield players. All of that. They are streets ahead of them. These are top class players. So I just don't get it when they don't take advantage of that skill, you know. I, I, just, think, I just think fundamentally, you know, I know all this calendar year bollocks about Harry Kane and whatever, but 
if Harry Kane had been playing for Chelsea against Everton um, the other week, we, we'd have won that game 7-0. Fact. Yeah. yeah. True. You know, it's a fact. If he'd have been playing against Brighton, we'd have won 6-0. Fact. You know, yeah. all, all those players, you know, he's the striker who runs into position, creates, you know, he creates chances for his teammates, but he's there and he's a target man for all those pretty, pretty, pretty play that, that, that goes on behind. You know, it became going, pass the ball to me when you've beat, beaten four men. Look for me, give me the ball, I'll put it in the yeah, net. Yeah, it's true, it's true. No, that, that's well, it's, a, it's an interesting point, and, 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 and you know, if there was a difference between the two halves, uh, and we'll get onto this in part two, which we're about to go into, but, you know, I, I felt that as so many times this season, there was too much fannying around outside the opposition's penalty area, passing the ball sideways, trying to, you know, yeah. uh, you know, basically pass through the eye of a needle because they've got all their defenders back. And I thought in the second half, they were much quicker to get the ball forward. They were more direct. There were more balls going up to the front quickly. And, you know, they need to mix it up a bit, I think. But we're going to we're gonna talk a bit more about that, actually, in, in part two, because we're going to talk about uh, Cesar Azpilicueta, the great assister. And uh, and we're going to have a bit of a love-in about Morata's uh, use of his head and Alonso's use of his wonderfully George Michael Crawford head, uh, because uh, they, those were the guys that got the goals. Uh, we'll also be having a, a chat about... Um, you know, Boxing Day fixtures. I, I I don't often go on a Boxing Day for various family type reasons, but I found myself in London this this Christmas, so I popped along. And uh, I think it's a bit of a weird old thing. Everybody kept on telling me what a lovely day it is and how traditional it is, but I'm just wondering if that's true anymore. Anyway, I'll uh, I am the Grinch that stole Christmas. Clearly, anyway, we'll be back after after this short break. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And, uh... We've had a good chat, actually. About we've had a bit of a moan, actually. I'm, I'm, maybe we should stop doing this in part one, be all kind of moany and whingy, because perhaps people turn off after ten minutes, thinking, "Well, that's a load of miserable bollocks." I think I'll go and listen to London is Blue. They're much more upbeat, or Chelsea yeah, podcast because they're much funnier. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's just the way cult- we roll. You want mate? It's cultured bollocks, though. It's it may cultured be bollocks. bollocks. Miserable. Yeah. It's mis- cultured miserable bollocks with the great Joe Tweeds and, and the great the great Marco. You well, know? indeed. <laughs> and, and, hey. and we are we are just the two stooges uh, 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 kind of allied to them. But there we go. Um, I promise to be more upbeat in this part because I, I think there were some really great things uh, about that match. And uh, the greatest of them all for me was, uh, was that fantastic uh, ball in for Morata uh, by Cesar Aspilicueta. Uh, that's now apparently six assists for Morata, and I think I saw on something like Match of the Day, but he's got as many assists in a season uh, for Morata as Sir Frank of Lampard did for Didier Drogba and Chess Fabregas did for Costa, which amazed me. But, um, I mean, the, what one is tempted to say, is it a fluke or what? Because it, the, the regularity of it is quite astonishing, isn't it, Joe? Yeah, I mean, there's there's two things I want to talk about, really, about Azpilicueta. Um, that... That ball that he plays in, I mean, it's it's almost an identical pass every single time that yeah. he plays it. And it's such a 
an unerring accuracy to play the pass. It's kind of swept in behind the first centre back, and then kind of Simrata kind of makes that diagonal run with his head. And it's, I mean, it's surely it's it's just a must be kind of a cool play within the game. Morata must see something, and yeah, I mean, it, it's it actually does remind me in a strange way of uh, Fabregas and, and Costa, where Costa with do that kind of move towards the ball, then then jumping behind. Probably best example was when he scored against Arsenal. Fabregas put the little clip ball in over the top, and I think um, Aspilicueta and, and Morata have definitely got uh, that same kind of chemistry or that same kind of connection when it comes to that. But I mean, talking about being slightly more positive, I think Aspilicueta is is really I think someone who who deserves uh, infinitely more praise than I think you know. Than, you know I mean, he gets a lot of praise from from Chelsea fans, but I think in a slightly wider public and. And maybe someone that I think Conte should look at as well. Just the the amount of coaching and work and and, and from both Aspilicueta and Conte that's gone into to his game to make him this you know phenomenal kind of centre half, which is kind of strange considering he's not very tall. You know, doesn't get beat at the back post as often as last season. I think his passing is fantastic. Um, you know, seems to be picking out pretty much anyone on the pitch from his position now. I think that you know something that we really really kind of need to hold up a bit more because you know he. You know, looking at someone like Virgil Van Dijk going for seventy-five million pounds. I mean, what is what is Aspilicueta worth then if you're going to play three three centre halves at the back? Because you know he's a better defender. Okay, maybe he's not as good as uh, as Van Dijk in the air, but I think maybe only Kurt Zuma is statistically anyway in the, in the Premier League. But I mean, he's he's got everything on the ground. He's got everything really that you, that you would want from a great defender. And yeah, just a superb player. Um, you know, and, and this this connection with Morata is fantastic. But I think for Conte, I would like Conte to at least look at what he's done with Aspilicueta and maybe use that to kind of drive the, the team forward for the rest of the season because he can he can coach wonderfully you know he's he's converted Moses into a from a journeyman winger into a really really top class wing back and has Velocretto into centre half so maybe he needs to sort of you know not be so hard on himself take a little bit of his uh take a little bit of praise and, and, and maybe go again but yeah as Velocretto for me one of my favorite players at the moment and just generally I think he's, he's superb well, I was going to say, Joe, if he could turn Batshuayi into striker, then he must be yes, a genius. Yes, that perfect. <laughs> you know, I think that might be beyond him somehow. But I, I echo absolutely everything you said on Aspilicueta, and I, I think it's interesting that he, he's technically the vice-captain, but you know, one wonders how many years Cahill's got in him, and uh, perhaps you know, one can see Aspilicueta being given the armband more permanently, Marco. But do you know what I like about him best, mate? He's kind of the embodiment of an honest pro, isn't he? There's no no dramas about him, no flashiness about him. He just, you know, he clearly loves the club, gets on with his job and is bloody good at it, but with no fuss. I love that about him. It's old school, isn't it? Absolutely. Calendar year player of the year? (laughs) 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 Yeah. He is. You're absolutely right. Um, you know, he he clearly loves playing for Chelsea Football Club, and Chelsea Football Club supporters love nothing more than a, that loves playing for Chelsea Football Club. It's as yeah. simple as that. And not only that, he's a bloody good footballer for all the reasons Joe just um, you know extolled there. So uh, I just think he's he's superb. You know, Player of the Year for me. Without any shadow of a doubt, um, mm. and he's and he's consistent as well. I know he sort of he went through a little wobble um, two or three games back, didn't he? But uh, you know, if you, if you think you know the guy was ever present last season, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, he's always there, isn't he? And he always gives a hundred and ten percent in every game. Um, you know. It just makes you laugh, really, when you hear stuff about Morata being fatigued. 
you know. <laughs> they're both Spaniards, so one's eating, one's not eating enough chorizo, I reckon. <laughs> you know what, though, Marco? It's interesting what you say about Morata because I made this point uh, in an article weeks ago, actually, is that. You know, Murata has never played more than 16. I know what it was. I talked to Kerry about it, actually. I'm not, not sure if I got a decent answer from the great man. But, you know, Murata's never played more than 16 games in a season before, uh, let alone in the Premier League. So I, I did ask that question. You know, is he going to get fatigued? Is he not? Is his body not used to this kind of punishment, in a sense? He's 24 years old, for God's sake. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, I remember it was a long time ago, but I kind of, you know, I was just drinking and taking drugs and sleeping with a lot of women. But you know, I, I had that's a punishing of... schedule, Marco, for anybody. To be fair, mate, <laughs> that, that, that 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 was my life. It was great, and I made sure I did as much of it as possible. <laughs> almost two hundred grand a week. You know, you you'd think you'd think oh, I better get a bit of extra kipping tonight. You know, so I go out into the lion's den and score a few goals for the Blues, not not ringing off. Tired today. It looks a bit cold out there. Ooh. <laughs> the, thing is, the, the funny thing is about Maratta that, that um, if you look at him, um, obviously, you know, he looks the size of a Sabutio player from where I sit in the ground. He doesn't actually look, and he's quite a fresh-faced kid in a sort of Thibaut Courtois sort of way. Um, he's actually, I think he's six foot four, isn't he? He's, mm. You know, he's He's a big strapping lad. Um, you know, does Harry Kane, I hate, I hate keep going on about him, but, you know, do you ever hear stories about Harry Kane being tired? Not really. You know, are they the same age, those two fellas? I mean, they're the same age, yeah. You know, Maratta is a fantastic signing. You know, I'm, you know, if you compare, you know, the, and I was firmly in the camp to bring Lukaku back to the bridge um but you know Lukaku's a flat track bully which we always knew um he'll still score 25 30 goals a season but not against the right teams e.g Burnley um (laughs) (laughs) who are titans this season but but is is Maratta that's why we need that's why we need a top quality striker to run shot you know I'm City are sitting there with Aguero. I know Jesus is sort of uh, blowing a little bit at the moment, but you know that you've got to have somebody there who um, can ride shotgun, um, you know, and, and make the most of all the opportunities that are being created uh, when you know when when the main man's not playing, or you know. If you, if you, if you, um, so I don't know what the solution is there because you know Morata, in theory, should have um, you know a stellar Chelsea career ahead of him, but he's, he's going to have to toughen up a bit, isn't he? Well, mate, I think you've nailed it there. Uh, number one, the solution is number one, sign Aguero, and number two, Morata, stop making babies. It's clearly tiring you out. Um, <laughs> look, on, on the positive side, Jonathan, and I, I'm with Marco entirely on that, and I, I love Morata, but I tell you what, mate, I mean, he's, that's his 10th goal of the season. Um, for me, there is there is nothing better in football to witness live than seeing oh. a good striker 
nail a header in the way that Morata does. Uh, I mean, it's funny actually because I was watching. I think it was uh, it was match of the day's highlights, which I which I watched this morning bizarrely, and they did all all six of Aspie's. Um, you know, assist to Morata, but they showed that United, the goal he scored against United again, and the power with which he headed that in. That's I love seeing that. That's that's for me what football is all about. And he's bloody good at that. And that's his tenth goal in the season, ten goals in twenty games. I mean, he hasn't played them all, but that's not a bad rate, is it? No. The interesting about that one, of course, it was that was top corner, wasn't it? That was the only one that went into the uh, the top corner. All the others were uh, were down, uh, were headers down, just onto the goal line, into the corner. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I, I think you said this before, Chidge. I think this is, uh, this is a kind of um, uh, discover, discovering first season, exploratory first season for him, and a bit like Drogba was. And um, I think he's going to get used to not flopping down on his backside and just accepting the fact that he will get pulled a bit. Um, and he's going to have to get used to... Uh, uh, to playing as much and the pace, you know, as as Marco says, indeed he's a strapping lad of 24, um, and uh, he should be putting it about a bit more. Uh, and I don't mean in the Marco way when he was 24. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean on the uh, on the pitch. I think um, uh, I also think if they did buy somebody uh, uh, who was of of his level, I don't know how they can possibly do that um, in in January. Um, it would put pressure on him. Um, I don't think he'd like to be. Um, uh, the second striker, or even not considered all the time at the moment, you know, with Batshuayi playing, there's no, there's no possibility of him being put on an, under uh, any pressure at all for for who is the first striker. Um, so perhaps he needs a bit of competition. Mm, um, good point. But, but 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 the other aspect though is that that given all the rumour about Conte not finishing the season, as we discussed last week with with Joe. Um, um, uh, that he won't. Well, we had that poll, didn't we? Didn't we? Didn't think he'd, he'd be with us at the end of the season. Are the club willing to fund anybody in the transfer window if there is uncertainty about the manager? So it may be that nobody comes in, or as I said, somebody, somebody, somebody strange, somebody who just does a job, somebody you know, who, somebody who would have been Lorente, somebody you give you give a six month contract to, um, who can like come Pato. in. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not like him. Yeah. Um, well, who was it? Was Pato Banton would have been a better bloody signing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just somebody to, if there is anybody they could get, cut price who could put some pressure on him. Um, I'm available. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll get my boots out of cold storage. I mean, look, the, the, the other thing that was, I mean, because we can kind of weave a bit of Marcus Alonso into this, um, you know, because Chelsea have now apparently scored 12 goals with a header, which is more than any other Premier League this season, which is a wonderful random stat. But it kind of made me think, uh, uh, Marco, that, you know, maybe we, well, actually, Joe, cause we haven't heard from you for a while, have we, Joe? We, I mean, maybe we should actually. You know, like I was saying before we went to the break, you know, rather than fanny around outside the 18-yard area, uh, actually, you know, get the ball up quickly, put in some crosses. And another one, and I know this this will tickle uh, Jonathan, maybe considering Marcus Alonso's goal, uh, maybe we should take proper corners and not short corners, Joe. Would that help? <laughs> Honestly, one of the most baffling, baffling things about this Chelsea side is we... Uh, I can't remember what game it was. I think it was... Uh... Might have been Huddersfield away, where we we played William, Pedro, and Hazard up front, and uh, I was moaning about us why we, we seem to have chucked about thirty crosses in the box in the first half, and obviously <laughs> Alonso sticks one right on William's head and he scores, and everyone was like, "Ha ha, that's why we're doing it." But yeah, when we play Morata up front, the guy who's 
probably the best header of a ball in the Premier League. We don't seem to throw any crosses in the box. I'm not sure whether that's uh, well, actually probably it's a function of, of maybe not playing with the <coughs> two uh, the, the two wingers either side of him um, potentially. But it seems very very strange when you have someone who I mean I, I can't think of a centre half who really is going to beat Morata to the ball every single time it comes into the area. But we seem to throw loads of crosses in the box and we've got Eden Hazard as the focal point. But when Morata's there, that seems to not be the case. And this thing about short corners, I mean we have some of the best you know people of attacking a football in the Premier League, and yet. We seem to content with trying to sort of walk the ball in from the corners if it's like a five-a-side goal. I, I'm confused with that one, to be honest, Chidge. But yeah, I mean, completely agree that it just seems strange that given we've got uh, Morata playing at centre-four, that we don't we don't seem to uh, try and get the ball wide and just get some early crosses into him. I mean, you look at Azpilicueta, he's, he's putting a crossing from from a centre-half position. If we, if we get them a bit further forward, Moses or, or Alonso, slightly better angle on it. I mean, you know, you chuck 10 crosses in. I'd be very surprised if, if Morata isn't working the goalkeeper six, seven times a game from, from crosses. Mm, well, you know, I think they need to stick it in the mixer, mate. But uh, yes, I, I think I think some some would say, some would say, and I don't mean this in a in a Top Gear sort of way, but some would say uh, the reason we don't do it is because Marcus Alonso and, and, and uh, Victor, Victor Moses are not able to cross the ball. But I wouldn't be that, that, that uh, miserable and, and cruel. <laughs> um, I have to say, though, what I mean, going back to the corners... Um, you know, it was a remarkable kind of uh, a three-minute spell, really, because Alonso could have had a hat trick in that three minutes. Uh, yeah. But he, he did a he did a, a a kind of a trial run, which the keeper saved beautifully with a header, that beautiful header where the, where he's the first man that you know that, that gets the ball from the corner, if you see what I mean. He, and he kind of you know whip whip the header across, and then then he did it from the other side and scored. And so clearly. He, this is a guy who can head the ball as well, and uh, look, I've got a lot of man love for Marcus Alonso. I should de- I should declare my bias right now, right here. Um, but if you you know he scored five Premier League goals this season, uh, which is the same as Hazard, and second only to Morata. Um, and I think personally, uh, yes, he's got his flaws. He's not the best defender in the world, and I would would say that you know he's not the best crosser possibly but I really do think he's massively underrated in terms of his importance to Chelsea and and I mean we've this is a question we seem to ask every week now I do not cannot understand the hate that he gets on bloody Twitter Jonathan what is it all about perhaps they're jealous of his uh, Michael-esque good looks Mm. I don't I love the fact the effort he puts in as well. You know, I'm sorry, I'm a bit one of those old-fashioned people. I like a bit of, <laughs> I like a bit of effort, and uh, and he never stops running. And um, he's a really ac- a really accurate shot, and uh, and has a go. In fact, one of the reasons I think he scores the goals, he has a he has a dip, doesn't he? He gets to the goal, and you think he's going to have a shot, and mm. uh, you know, and good luck to him. And he's very accurate. Um, mm. So I, I, I God. I, I, I don't get it. Perhaps it's because he looks a bit clumsy occasionally. He gets involved in slightly clumsy fouls, mm. um, or you know, he'll he'll um, he'll he'll hold his head a bit and look a bit wimpy or something. I can't well, work I, it. Don't, I've got a theory actually. I've got a theory, Jonathan, uh, yeah. and I think that a lot of the criticism that a lot of our players get on social media, and, and we all know who they are: William, Cahill, Alonso. Moses to name but four. I think we did we did a roll call the other week, Joe, on the show. Or oh, you yeah. were on it, I think, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and we basically there were only about two other Chelsea players that got away without any criticism weekly. But I I, I wonder if it's a lot to do um 
you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it sounds really rude of me to say it, but I think there are a lot of supporters out there who just expect us to be, you know, to be a team full of Galacticos, and they wouldn't be happy until we are. You know, each player costing 100 million quid and, and all of them signed from Real Madrid or Barcelona or whatever. And it's just, the, that is the antithesis to football. And it, it got me wondering, actually, before I wrote the script today, Marco, because I, I had a feeling this might come up. And it just made me think, you know, if you kind of transport like the early 2000s into right now, I wonder how many how many people or fa- so-called fans on social media would be absolutely coating Frank Lampard off because I remember his first season for us and he wasn't he wasn't that good or or Didier Drogba's first season for us he wasn't that good so I mean it, it, you know in this day and age a lot of players like that you'd, you'd never you'd, you know they'd, they'd get coated off and it's, it's just insane isn't it mate or, or am I just an old git? I don't know. I mean, I, I think the, the, the whole social media thing, I mean, I, I saw some pretty big fallouts going. I think you were involved in one, Joe, actually. <laughs> he was, wasn't he, actually? <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> Saturday, I was on my way home um, from the game. But, yeah, I, I, I just think that, um, you know, it, it's it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of that, that sort of, Heard mentality on on Twitter in particular, where um, you know you've got a couple of sentences to make a point, um, and usually that that point can be quite pointed and volatile, um, you know, and then and then everybody joins in, um, and then you know it, that that quickly quickly um, evolves into you know. The, the, the old school Chelsea, uh, I think Dave got himself involved in a row about um, saying you know, it wouldn't bother him if we didn't win another trophy, um, you know, and then all the all the, all the the old older supporters going, yeah, you know, that's right, um, you younguns, don't you know? And then, and then <laughs> so it's all right to go and not want your team to win. All of those debates, yeah. we, we, you know, if you were in a pub, you'd, ha- you'd have... Um, you know, a few beers and 20, 30 minutes, a bit like we've got tonight. You know, you've yeah. got time to articulate a point, reason your argument, um, and then, you know, and then, and then you can debate it and say, well, you know, maybe he isn't that good. But, you know, when you condense it to 140 characters or whatever it is now on, on Twitter, um, it just gets a lot more fractious uh, a lot quicker. Uh, you know, my, my view... Um, as you know, I, I am a, a fantasy football aficionado. Um, <laughs> some repute over the last few years. And interestingly enough, I'm just looking at the stats. And uh, if if Alonso was reclassified as a striker um, in fantasy football, he'd be second only to Kane. So make of that what you will. I remember, I can't remember which game it was. I think it was earlier this season. He rose like a salmon in the box and headed home. The, the ball in, in in you know in a Drogba-esque fashion, um, and it suddenly got me thinking, you know, as as was mentioned earlier about Conte being a wonderful coach and you know being able to transform um, Aspilicueta, you know, in, into a centre back and Moses into a, a an effective wing back. Um, it would something like Alonso. You know, it would just be interesting. I, I, what made me think about this even more was that yesterday, um, old Chelsea Chadder, bless him, um, put a tweet out about um, 
it being, I think it was 40 years ago, or on this day in history, and it was David Webb played a whole game for Chelsea in goal. Um, we won, we beat Ipswich Town 2-0. I, I just think it'd be, it'd be quite interesting, wouldn't it? You know, the, the next time we're in a hazard false nine situation, if, if uh, Conte just threw the threw the rule book out the window and said to um, Alonso, right, you're, you're playing centre crash. Uh, I'm, <laughs> as could somebody like Aspilicueta. I've got, I've got no doubt about it. And uh, Total football, mate. Total football. That's what we I want. It'd just be interesting to see something like that. You know, um, why not? I mean, it's, obviously it's not going to happen, but it just makes you wonder. And, you know, just getting back to that, your original point, you know, God loves a trier at Chelsea Football yeah. Club. But, you know, I, I, you know, and I know there's all these usual spats on there about people who go for games and, you know, the armchair critics and the keyboard warriors and so on and so forth. I mean, my, you know, my book, everyone's entitled to an opinion. Yeah, um, you know, you know, I, those of us who go to games don't just see what's shown on, on the television. You know, you see, you see the running off the ball. You, you, you know, you can see players looking up. Um, you can see the expression on their faces and whether they're up for it. You know, and I just think that kid, you know, a lot of eyebrows, including mine, were raised when, when we signed him on deadline day um, 18 months ago or whatever it was now, um, you know, and looked at his pedigree and thought, what on earth's that all about? But boy, he, he, you know, he surprised a few people and he's still doing that. And he's still getting coated off. So, you know, what, what's he going to do? Move to Real Madrid and win the Champions League with them? Could could happen. It takes a wonderful free kick, doesn't he? He really does take a wonderful free kick. Completely brilliant. He's the best. The best. I think he's the best dead ball uh, player that we've got. I mean, uh, you know, when when I see him and William and Fabregas lining up for the free kick, I'm saying, for fuck's sake, let Alonso take it because I think he's yeah. the best striker of the ball that we've got. And he was very yeah. unlucky. I thought it was a good save by uh, the the Brighton keeper before just before yeah. he scored because that was going yeah. top corner. So you know, I think just just to kind of put a line on under this little uh, discussion, uh, you know, what what infuriates me is that. You know, football is not, never has been, about having the the best 11 players. It's about having the best team. And it's about the blend that you get. And I remember, uh, you know, what was it that, that what Laurie McMenemy used to say this years ago, he said, you need, you need seven violinists and, and four hod carriers or something like that. And, you know, they can't all be Galacticos. You just need the best team and the best blend. And that's what it's always been about. So... There endeth the lesson. Um, right, just to kind of finish up this part, I want to do a couple of things, really. First of all, um, you know, uh, it, it's worth kind of noting, um, thanks to the wonderful... I mean, we think we're inconsistent. Th you know, imagine being a United fan at the moment. Uh, but uh, thanks to their uh, wonderful, inept performance against Burnley, um, we are now only one point behind uh, United. Uh, and I, I really hope that... Uh, that Conte focuses the team on reeling United in and going past there, uh, putting us into second, and, and hopefully, well, I, you know, in all honesty, I do not see us catching City. I do not see City uh, letting up and, and, and blowing the title. But, you know, for me, um, a, you know, second place this season and a season where, where City are romping it, that, for me... Uh, would be a good defence of the title, Jonathan. I mean, would you be happy with that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I also think City deserve it. City have been playing wonderfully. 
Um, and so he, you know, he's got a wonderful combination of players. We, we've discussed it. The reason they're playing wonderfully is what have he spent? He spent four hundred and ninety million or something, and uh, and we've spent ninety or something in comparison. Uh, you know, in 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 sales and and purchases and whatever. And so you you have to expect that. And he's a he's a decent manager, isn't he, Guardiola? So they've got a great side, um, and you can understand they 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 you can see the great goals they score. They've got some great players. Uh, you know, I take my hat off to them. Great. So I accept that. So, so yes, the pressure is off us for, for that in that aspect. But at the same time, um, if we can then put in a decent performance and, and, and finish well ahead of everybody else, then we'll have had a, an excellent defence of the title, I think, considering everybody was so um, willing to write us off at the beginning of the season and there was crisis at Chelsea. I think we're doing rather well considering... Um, supposedly that Conte was out and that we'd lost to Burnley and it was all downhill from then. I think we've done uh, exceptionally. Joe, Burnley. where do you stand on that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it, well, our last hard defence became 10th. So, um, <laughs> True think, enough. You know, I mean, but I, I don't think we're possibly ever going to be that bad again. So, I mean, yeah, I, I completely agree with, with Jonathan. I think second, given the... Just, just how much better City are this. Sorry, how much better City are this season? I mean, there are some disappointing things. I mean, you know, if you look at last season, I think we're, we're I think we're down thirteen points on on like for like games. So stuff like that is a little bit disappointing. But in the context of the season, I think you know, definitely something that we can push push ahead of United and finish second. I, I would more than be more than happy with that. And I'd like to nick a cup as well. I'd like to finish uh, yeah. FA Cup or, or even the League Cup. I think that's. You know, I, I was looking, I think we're, we're kind of averaging a trophy a season under Roman, so I'd like to keep that up where possible. Um, yeah, but the United thing is, is insane. I think some of the stuff that Mourinho's been coming out with, and you kind of think back to, to when he was at Chelsea, and you're kind of looking at yourself thinking, did I defend him as much as some of the United fans have? You know, they've spent an absolute fortune. Um, he, you know, by all accounts, he's very much in the driving seat when it comes to transfers, and you know, I think he's quite a good... Uh, sort of, you know, poster child for maybe not giving the manager complete authority on transfers because, you know, it's they're his buyers and, and you know he's not really performing particularly well with them. But yeah, just just insane. I think you know I can see them complete, continuing to implode. Um, there's rumours that they're going to pay Fellaini £170,000 a week to stay at United, which I think again is if if that's kind of the the kind of moment that that breaks Manchester United, it's uh it's going to be quite funny. But yeah, you know, I, I would take second. I think we're, we're more than capable. Of catching United, um, you know, we just need to have less of the first halves that we saw against Brighton and more of the second half. Because I, I, I would say comfortably, um, even you know, without any additions in January, I think when we're on form, I still think we're the, we're the second best side in the country. Um, I think we can go to anywhere and, and play well and, and, and take points and beat teams. But yeah, I think second would be a would be a really good uh, finish at least this season. And then obviously in the summer, we just need to kind of build on that and try and claw back uh, towards City. It's interesting, actually, because I, I was talking to a mate uh, leaving Stamford Bridge uh, after the match, and we were talking about Mourinho and his in- impending meltdown at United. And then, lo and behold, I got I got phoned up by the editor of uh, Football London to write a piece on on the you know because we've seen it all before in a sense, you know. And it's really interesting, kind of writing an article on Mourinho. Who, who you know, I, I'll be frank with you, I, I will always there will always be a large piece of my heart. That loves Jose Mourinho for what for the joy he brought me and us by winning so much stuff, yeah. but it's really interesting. And I, and and one of the comments I made was that you know it it just proves the point that love is blind. 
when he's ours, you, you don't see all of the, the baggage that he brings to it. But when he's not yours anymore, you suddenly see it far more clearly. And as a wonderful piece, sadly, they edited the shit out of it and, and took a lot of the nuances away. But I, I had a long paragraph where I compared Mourinho to a trophy girlfriend. You know, she's the best looking bird that you can have. But when you take her out, she makes you feel like makes you look a million dollars and 10 foot tall. But then, but but the other, you know, there's a lot of there's a big price to pay, and basically she kind of maxes out your credit cards, she cleans out your bank account, she crashes your Ferrari and blames it on the car or you, and then she bad mouths you to your family and your friends and slags you off behind your back, and she's rude to your family, uh, you know, and all this kind of thing. If you if, if you haven't seen it, go and check it out. It's on on the Twitter mine and and, and the Chelsea Fancast Twitter feed. Uh, sadly, the original paragraph that I wrote comparing him to a trophy girlfriend was changed a bit, which I'm sorry to say, but. I think I think it was a be- it's the best way to sum Mourinho up, isn't it? Really, Marco, in a sense. Yeah, I made an observation. I think when the BBC um, put his uh, line about um, just now, made that comment didn't it, about United not being uh, a big club but not a big team. That was his observation. I yeah. Think. Um, and, and he said that because of their history, they should be a big team. Um, and then sort of had a little dig at everybody else, Chelsea included, uh, all, all in one breathless sentence. Um, to which you know everybody was going, oh, yeah, "Give it a rest, Jose." Uh, and a bit like yourself, Chidge. You know, I mean, I, I you know, I, I loved the bones of the man the first time around, and I do think we had the best years out of him. Um, and I think every, you know every, he's he's no longer um, he's kind of a busted flush. You know, he, I don't think I always think there was a problem potentially the second time around when it all went properly pear shaped at the bridge. That because he hadn't played the game at, at the highest level, um, he just didn't know what to do when. Um, you know, he hadn't been in the trenches in that position as a player, so how could he get a message to them to, to get them out? All he seems to do, and he's doing it at United now, is is you know, he's blaming them for not 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 being good enough. Um, you know, I, I just find I find that bizarre, and uh, you know, he'll always be in a job, won't he? You know, PSG next yeah. next, and then you know maybe. The Portugal manager's job, you know, good, good luck to the fella. And, you know, I'm thankful we had him when we did the first time yeah, around. Yeah. Um, absolutely, absolutely. I, you know, I, 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 I'm with you. I think he'll end up at PSG. I just think there's that sense that he, you know, he blames everybody. It's all about deflecting blame and responsibility away from him. And I think that, you know, sometimes in life you need to take a look at yourself. And, uh, and ultimately, he's the man that should bear the responsibility. But he never does. So it's really interesting to see what's happening there. And I really hope that he screws United up absolutely stupendously. And then I will love him to the day that I die. Anyway, listen, I just want to finish this bit bit off. I just want to have a quick chat about uh, about the Boxing Day matches. As I said earlier on, I, I quite often don't make it to the bridge on a Boxing Day because uh, of family commitments and stuff. Uh, and, and it's all kind of beefed up to be some great footballing tradition. But I'll be really honest with you chaps. I thought the atmosphere was a bit pants you know, it was a bit quiet. There's a lot of lot of the regulars that you. I mean, the pub. I I saw a few. I saw the lovely Ken Barkway, and uh, a few others, Jamie and and Loz and a few others. But it was, you know, that it was a different kind of thing. It wasn't the usual the usual suspects. Their travel was an absolute nightmare. 
But I did think the atmosphere in the ground was really quiet and, and Brighton took full advantage of that. It was clearly clearly their big day out and they, they took the piss all match. And I just kind of thought, well, you know, are that Boxing Day, is it all of that? I, I mean, Andy Silverman made a lovely comment on here uh, earlier. I don't know if he's still in, in, in Mixler now, but uh, he said, and I absolutely agree with this, and I think that given what I've just said, this is what we should do for all Boxing Day matches. It should be a derby day. Because I tell you what, mate, if we were playing Spurs on a on a on a Boxing Day, none of the none of the regulars would miss that one, would they, uh, Marco? Exactly. I mean, if, you know, I think was it Brighton this year? I think we played Bournemouth at home last Boxing Day. Watford the Boxing Day before that. You know, it's it's you know if if, you, if you're looking at, it's not going to take much for your family. Um, to persuade you to do family stuff on Boxing Day, um, it, you know, if you've got to make a concession at some point in the season, if 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 it's Brighton or Bournemouth or Watford are the opponents, and you know, and as you say, if, if, it, if we were playing Tottenham um, or you know, or any of the big teams, um, it, it would be completely different. And I think, I think also the players might have uh, been a bit more alert to the fact that they were professional footballers in the first half of, of the game on Boxing Day. Yeah, They won't do an out-and-out out, um, uh, um, top four or five uh, um, derby game, though, will they? Because of the policing. They haven't got enough police for it, and they don't want to do that on Boxing Day because of all the things like the uh, the, the tubes being shut. So they, they tend to, to do a, um, a southern team, but somebody who's not in the top... In, in the top part of the uh, of the division, so it's um, that's why it's Watford, that's why it's Brighton. It's a it, it's it a great shame a though. It's a great shame I, because I don't know. It, did you? I mean, you were there. You were there on uh, Boxing Day, mate. I mean, what did what did you think about the atmosphere? Oh, terrible! Absolutely, yeah, exactly. terrible. And you're absolutely right. There were there were empty seats around where I was, and um, yeah. uh, and the tube wasn't working. Everybody had to make a huge effort to get there bus and uh, I still don't understand why the tube isn't working on Boxing Day if there's going to be a, an event like that I think that's something that um, ridiculous. The, support, the supporters trust are going to bring up aren't they they're trying to deal with that because it's absolutely ridiculous why Why put pressure on us to uh, force us not to you know, force us to go to make a huge effort to get to the, to get to the game um, when they know there's there are going to be forty thousand people there it doesn't make any sense at all. Um, ridiculous. But but it, well and uh, and then it pissed down as well and it was freezing and I got soaked on the way back. <laughs> so uh, and I actually thought when I was cycling back I thought I can't believe this I cannot believe this. <laughs> well, you know, do, you know do you know what? Do you know what, Jonathan? Sorry, go on, mate. Finish. Now they're going to say it's supposed to be a day of enjoyment. You know, all right, we won two nil. It was the shit first half. Second half they should have scored four, <laughs> four or five, and uh, and I got completely pissed off. It was so annoying. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Well, no, I was just going to say. I mean, you know, frankly, I I love. I, look, Chelsea won. I love that. The second yeah, half yeah. was great. I loved that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I saw two great girls, and I, and I went home happy. But. Um, I then I then had arranged to meet the wonderful Martin Wickham in the Atlas pub after the game, which is a good 15-20 minute walk in the rain. And I got there and the fucking pub was shut. Uh, no, no sign of Martin. So I texted him to say, mate, the pub's shut. He said, I know. I said, well, you could have told me that. So I sat there in the rain 
knowing that the traffic was completely log jammed because of course you know the tubes weren't working yada 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 so i thought well fuck it and i ordered a my taxi and i, I was home by 25 past five and that was the best result i had all day so there you go <laughs> bottom line is joe bottom line uh you know boxing day football is it all that we don't think it is unless it's a big derby where do you stand on it Kind of, yeah. I'm not, I think I saw something on Twitter that we've been at home like something 11 out of the last 13 years or something like that. Yeah. Maybe it's it kind of loses its gloss a little bit when you've kind of you know done it kind of every single season. I mean, I, I, I quite like the, the Boxing Day stuff, but then typically I, I used to drive to Chelsea, so it never really was a, a concern for me in terms of getting there by uh, public transport. But no, I'm not. I think also it kind of. Uh, Kind of leads into the, the the fact of potentially, you know, do we have a uh, a break in English football between maybe kind of the uh, the new year and uh, and in January as well? I think you know, could be something that helps Morata get his uh, get his mojo back if he has two weeks off in Dubai or wherever uh, footballers tend to spend their holidays these days. But yeah, well, no, and, I'm, I'm, and, and Dan Silver, it should be said, and Dan Silver, yes, of course, yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I, I like it from a traditional aspect. I think again. Yeah. You know, a lot of it comes down to the, uh, you know, the, the opposition and, and equally just the, the, the ease of getting to the game as well. I, you know, I think there was a huge uh, spate of, of TFL kind of adjustments or whatever it is they do over Christmas period um, that was happening around Chelsea. So, yeah, maybe that wasn't the best uh, the best uh, day there. But again, I mean, if, if you were to ask Brighton fans, I think they actually probably had a pretty decent day out despite the results. So, I don't know, maybe if we had a, a decent away game, then, then potentially people might change their answer. But yeah, for, for a home game against Brighton, I don't think you're really going to get too much support well, for, for boxing indeed, football. Uh, well, I think I think the answer's clear. You know, have a have a decent London derby match on yep. Boxing Day and then, then you'll get the atmosphere back. But I'm really disappointed, just to underline, I think the atmosphere wasn't that great, was that, uh, you know, the, uh, there was only a very half-hearted Matthew Harding lower, bless their cotton socks, who uh, gave gave the right advice to Brighton and should have been given a lot earlier, which is you've had your day out, now fuck off home. <laughs> anyway, on that happy note, uh, after the break, we're going to have a, a look back at a frustrating draw against Everton and look forward to keeping the momentum going against Stoke on Saturday. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> It's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great! Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? 
Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Football Fancast. Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And uh, we're all uh, uh, refreshed with our half-time break, having had a mince pie myself and made a cup of tea. Jonathan's had a wee, as he does, you know. Uh, so there we go. So anyway, this part, I just really wanted to have a, a quick chat about Everton uh, last week and uh, Stoke coming up on Saturday. Um the Everton game, uh, which peculiarly I, I watched in a um, in a Riley's bar in Victoria, which wasn't quite as bad as it sounds actually. So, uh, apart from the fact they had the Real Madrid Barcelona game on the big screen with the commentary, and I found myself in this particular situation trying to listen to the commentary on the radio and my headphones on my phone, which was about thirty seconds before the pictures that I was seeing. So I was rather confused. Um, but what, what I could tell was that we were definitely at it uh, from the first minute, which uh, is something that we can't uh, often say about this Chelsea side. But I have to say, you know, being dominant and, and, and having, you know, like, you know, 25... Well, they had something like 70, 70% possession throughout the game, but possession is not nine-tenths of the law in football. Um, but I have to say, you know, having kind of moaned earlier on about it being a bit wasteful, um, I actually did think that they were unlucky. I mean, you know, they had two goal line clearances, and uh, and uh, Williams hit the bar, uh, hit, hit his own bar. So you know, on another day we would have whooped their asses. But it also had it had the smell of a big Sam stitch up, didn't it, Marco? It did, yeah. I mean, even to the point, you know, you could see they 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 had they've got that young kid, haven't they, John Joe Kenny? playing at right back so everything was going down the left side um with alonso you know and, and the kid was playing out of his skin um you know and uh, allardyce gets a lot of stick but you know if we'd have gone up there a couple of weeks previously when um Unsworth was still caretaking we would have won five or six oh, yeah. and it, that's yeah. the difference um you know I mean, it's true. I don't think they had a shot on goal. Courtois didn't have anything to do, did he? The whole game. No, nope, uh, not one shot on target the whole game. So, you know, I mean, that gets you know goes back to the discussion we had previously, doesn't it? About being being wasteful. You know, there's a fine dividing line between being unlucky and being profligate. Um, and I think we kind of crossed it at Goodison. You know, yet. Let's say the, the first goal line clearance, um, I'll give to Jagielka. The, the, the second one, it should have gone been directed a bit better past him. It was poor finishing, yeah. um, you know. So, I, I, I think I think Dennis Wise made a good point because bizarrely, um, uh, little Dennis was the uh, the the kind of the the, the pundit on the. Uh, you know, on Sky for that game, and and he made the point that we may have had we may have had eight 
uh, eight attempts in the stats, but they were none of them were clear-cut chances, and we were feeding off scraps. And given the amount of possession that we had, and given the chances that we were creating, I think Marco has a good point, Jonathan, that we were. It wasn't exactly the best cut, the best finishing, was it? I thought it was dreadful. <laughs> Say what you mean, mate. <laughs> yeah, completely. I thought we. It was it was ridiculous. Pedro kept being in front of goal and just he's dribbling these shots. And you think, come on, Pedro, put your foot through it. It normally ends up in the top corner. What's going on? I thought Dennis was really good, actually. I know it's because mm. of his his celebrity from um, I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. But he was um, he he made good points and was very loquacious. I thought, well, I've got opportunity for him to be a pundit. I thought he was hated by everybody. But he's obviously made a reappearance. Are we going to see Dennis in a coaching role? One thinks. Mm. I think not. I think not, probably. I think he made enough money out of being um, uh, working at Newcastle, didn't he, to, to last a lifetime. Um, but, um, uh, um, yeah, no, I just, oh, God, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I just thought this is so, and I thought they were going to score in the last minute when, uh, um, uh, what's his Keen. name? Uh, yeah, yeah, had that header. I thought oh, that was so typical. I don't know what, what, what um, Courtois was doing. I was thinking, God, that's going to finish in the top right. And it was Rudiger, wasn't it? Rudiger missed him completely. Um, but yeah, but that was so typical. But I don't know. I mean, I've got to give it to Sam at the end, Big Sam. He said, you know, yeah, we were we were completely taken to the cleaners, practically. He said, and um, um, we 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 couldn't do much at all, and we were lucky. But he he sets teams out out to do that. And the trouble is, is that you, know, you think about it, he makes he's obviously offered a huge amount of money to keep them up, and then after about ten months working with him, he he realizes he can't take them any further, so he leaves. So then he goes somewhere else to keep somebody up. You know what a great job that is for a manager like that. And I think he would have made something out of England. Um, I oh, think he I would have, too. Yeah, England would have played the same way, and uh, he'd have had um, uh, kick the ball up the field as far as he possibly could, and. Uh, um, and run after it, and Vardy would have been in his element. Would have been like playing um, Leicester under, under Martin O'Neill. The Ireland team played the same way, of course. But, um, well, but I, I, I thought it was um, it was so typical, and uh, I, I just think once again you, you need to throw the kitchen sink at it, don't you? And shoot as much as possible. And with the same thing as we talked about before, we're not shooting enough. We're not making first time shots, and we're not getting the ball into the box enough. And there aren't enough bodies in the box enough. That's what I mean. To be to fair, to be fair, Jonathan, I think I think we did crack a few shots off there i mean i i just wonder you know in a game like that um you know where they are going to put 11 men behind the ball for most of the match you know we didn't have any option but to, to, to well we did we could have played batch ui but clearly conte doesn't have any faith in him but um you know he went for what his is, is his plan b which is hazard pedro and william up front and you know you cannot play through teams no matter how shit they might be you know, when they just pack pack the defence like they did, Joe. So, in a sense, it, it was kind of a confluence of a, of, a, of a perfect bad storm in a way. You know, up against an organised Big Sam team, 11 men behind the ball, and you don't have your top striker playing, Joe. Yeah, and I, mean, I think this is one of the games that, that kind of prompted me to look at I mean, where, where in sort of these situations in the past you'd expect maybe someone from midfield to pop up with a goal. At the moment, I don't see any goal threat in our midfield at all. I mean, you've got Fabregas... Akiyoko and Kante, and I think Kante is a wonderful player, but he's he's not going to, you know, I don't think I've ever seen him shoot from 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 outside the box maybe once or twice in his entire career. I know I think he he scored one last season, but it was one of those games where we need someone, someone in our midfield has to have the ability, I think, to shoot from from 20, 30 yards out, even if it's just a pot shot. I think, uh, you know, as uh, as Jonathan was saying with Alonso, you can sometimes see when he approaches the goal, you think, okay, he's going to shoot here. 
we don't seem to carry that threat in midfield. And I think equally when you're playing these teams who sit deep, if they know that no one in midfield has got a shot on them, then it encourages them just to stay there. If you've got someone like Lampard, all of a sudden you've got a rush in midfield, like you've maybe got a rush of centre-back out to close him down because because you know he's going to shot on nine times out of ten, it's going to be on target. I think this was really a case in point of, of we're so overly reliant on the front three, whether that's Morata, Hazard, you know, Pedro, William, whoever's playing to actually provide the goals. That uh, you know Everton were quite comfortable to just sort of keep the game in front of them. Um, whereas I think you know maybe if we have someone in the team who who has that ability to shoot, Essien used to be able to fire off a shot from distance. Balak, Lampard, these sorts of players that we've had, even Oscar could 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 shoot from distance. You know it, it kind of it, it does disrupt the, the, their ability just to sit there. And I think that was a really disappointing thing for me. And I, I know I'm often uh, chastised for being kind of the leader of the youth revolution, but you have. Um, <laughs> You know, you've got a, a kid on the bench, Callum Hudson-Odoi, who is, you know, electric in terms of his pace. He's incredibly skillful, very, very good finisher. And, and OK, you know, it's a massive step up to the Premier League. But this is a guy who regularly pulls something out of nothing, you know, regardless of, of the, the opposition he's playing against, whether that's under 23s, 21s, whether it's in World Cup finals or England. You know, this is a kid who, who can pull something out of the bag. And you're thinking, you know what, 10 minutes to go, just chuck him on. What's the worst that can happen? Okay, if he doesn't have a fantastic game, he's still a 17-year-old kid. He's got lots to learn. But then we see Zappa Costa comes on for Moses, and you're just like, what is the point? Was that terrible. Point? Yeah. That was yeah, and it's just, terrible yeah, exactly. institution. I agree. Yeah, yeah it goes back to, to Jonathan's point. I think I, I don't think in some games. I mean, Everton were there for the taking. I think they really were the last 15, 20 minutes, and yet, you know, you're, all you're seeing is Zappa Costa come on for Moses instead of just thinking, you know, let, let's chuck the kid on, let's see what he can do something a bit different, you know, because he does have that ability to run in behind. He does have the electric pace that we don't have up front. He can finish, he can beat people. And yet we're seeing just a, a Rafa Benitez special of swapping right backs. That, absolutely. That was a terrible, yeah. terrible substitute. You know, that, that, that was disappointing yeah. for me because, yeah. you know, exactly what everyone said, even after the game, very rarely does Big Sam come out and say, you know what, we've been absolutely hammered here. We were quite lucky. I think we could have gone from, I think we could have nicked a goal, but, you know, that, that was a disappointing thing for me. <laughs> Well, that's a really interesting point there. But, you know, having said all that, Marco, you know, uh, we got a point. It's not an easy place to go. Big Sam, since he's, I mean, they, they were unbeaten since he turned up and they've had quite a few wins. So, you know, I'll be really honest with you. I think I did a show with Kerry uh, before the Everton match and I was a, bit, a weeny bit worried that, we, that you know, that was a potential difficult match. In fact, I said out of all of the Christmas matches and I included the Arsenal one, I think the Everton match is potentially the hardest. So, you know, getting a point up, there's no bad result, really, is it, Marco? Well, I think what's interesting, actually, um, if you look at, you know, the first thing I thought when Allardyce went there, he'd be looking at his squad going, right, I'm going to get the oldest blokes here, um, make sure they're fit and they can go out and they'll do it. But he's not, he's, you know... To, to, to pick up on um, Joe's point there about um, Hudson Adoy, you know, Dominic Calvert Lewin's been played every game up top, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For Everton, he's got that kid, John Joe Penny. You know, I don't know if you saw that passage of play when um, Calvert Lewin had he had Christensen him on toast on the, on that flank. You know, and they they could have made more out of that opportunity. Um, in, in you know, in one passage of play. So, I, I just thought it was interesting, just coming back to the, the later points there about Conte's substitutions. Um, you know, maybe, I don't know, 
Conte, he's, he's, he's an interesting fella, isn't he, when he, when he comes. He'll sometimes make wrong calls on substitutions, typically with experienced players. Um, but, you know, a game like that, which, you know, Everton were there, they, were, they, were, they could have been thrown to the wolves um, uh, with, with the right thought process. And he just didn't, didn't do it, just didn't see it, did he? Um, strange. I don't know. Oh, well, never mind. You know, as I said, I, I, I happen to think that, yes, it was frustrating, it put me in a very bad mood for the rest of the day, so that's always a good sign. But uh, I, I did, I did, you know, on reflection, I don't think a point up there was a disaster, to be honest. But, uh, but there you go. Um, on the other hand, um, anything less than a comfortable win against Stoke on Saturday will, will not be good in my book. I mean, we beat them four 0 up there in September. Uh, Morata got a hat trick, if if you if you remember. Um, Stoke have lost six of their last ten. Uh, they've only had two wins in that time against West Brom and Swansea, who are everybody's whipping boys at the moment. So the bottom line is, uh, Jonathan, it should be a comfortable three points, should it not? I would expect nothing less, Chidge. So um, I think it'll be another 4-0 or 1. We, really? tend, to give, really? we tend to give a, a goal away at the end of the game, don't we, when he when he brings on, when he changes the uh, the formation a bit. But yeah, yeah, I think we'll win easily. Well, that's called good news. That, that's good news because, of course, I, I I will be sitting with you and your butler on uh, on Saturday because you very kindly invited me into the the posh area, the posh seats. Wait, just be in the butler actually, because I shall be dozing in the hospitality area, having eaten far too much Christmas pudding. You what, Marco? You can have a suit on on Saturday. No, 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 no. Jonathan sits in the east east middle, so you don't have to be suited, and you don't have to be suited and booted, do you, Jonathan? No, not in the slightest. As long as you don't wear track trainers or, or Chelsea shirt, you're all right. <laughs> well, no, you couldn't possibly wear a Chelsea shirt to go and sit in a Chelsea uh, area. I mean, that would, that would be far too ridiculous. Really? Um, far as... too ridiculous. You're not allowed to wear your colours, Chidge. Well, you can wear a I, scarf. I, I'm a man of a certain age, so I don't wear replica Chelsea shirts, but I will be wearing a Chelsea badge. You don't wear your track trues. And you don't no, wear I, don't, a... I don't own any track bottoms. I'm allowed you to wear don't... trainers, though. And you can wear trainers, but you mustn't wear a, a blue and white quartered hat. What's a blue and white quartered hat? You remember those, those peat hats that were made up in blue and white? They were worn oh, by yeah, yeah, yeah. supporters in, uh, in the 80s. I had That's one. That's right, yeah, yeah, did you yeah. Not have yeah, one? I do. Now, I should be wearing my Peaky Blinders uh, country uh, flat cap, as always. Oh, I'll um, wear mine as well. Good, we can yes. be two be two Peaky Blinders boys. We can, together. and I shall probably wear my Gate 17 badge to, to show them what's for in the East Middle. Uh, but there you go. Um, Marco, talking Gate 17, uh, sadly I won't be near you on Saturday. I shall be in the posh seats that we've just described. But, um, you know, a again, it, this should be a comfortable victory. So why, why is there something deep inside me going, but it might not be? All right. I'm, I'm, I'm going through the same inner turmoil because uh, <laughs> it's been a long December in, in our fantasy football money league and, and there are currently three of us vying for, for the manager of the month pot with only two points between us. So I've got to decide who to hand the captain's armband to. Should it be Maratta? Should it be Hazard? Or should it be somebody who plays for another team? Um but I, I think we're going to take them to the cleaners because uh, obviously Zuma can't play. Um, I think Peters is—I um, think he's done his hamstring. I'm, I'm not entirely sure if, if uh, 
excuse to get um, any sort of cohesive backline out. And, uh, you know, they, they got pounded, didn't they, by Spurs um, a couple of weeks back. Yeah. So I'd be very disappointed if, if we didn't rack up our biggest uh, win of the season <coughs> Saturday with it, with it get Hughes the sack. Oh, well, we kind of like Sparky, so in a sense I'd be sorry if we did that. And, of course, Eddie and Eddie, uh, who, who's his right-hand man up there. But I, I, I kind of, you know, I do have a feeling, actually, because, you know, given given how dominant we've been in the last few matches, given how many chances that we've been creating there is a sense at the moment that somebody is due for an absolute stuffing uh very appropriate for for christmas joe um do a do you do you see that do you see that as our chance to really rack up a good score and really take somebody the cleaners or do you think it might be a bit more difficult i think if we get an early goal i could see this being four five six nil mm. um i think that that's going to be the key thing it's it's all it's all in our start if we start well start popping the ball about um yeah, I, I can't see them really providing too much resistance. Um, you know, Hughes is under the cosh a bit at the moment. I think that's that's quite obvious. It's filtering through to the players as well. So an early goal, I, I could see them crumble. Mm, mm. All right, so uh, time to put our money where our mouth is. Jonathan, you've, you've said 4-1, haven't you? Yeah, I'll say 5-1 now. It's gone up since Okay, Jonathan's, Jonathan's suffering from massive inflation. Uh, Marco, yeah. what, what say you? I think it will be impossible to stop um, Peter Crouch locked in, nodding, coming in from a dodgy corner. A bit of the back in play, but I, I, I think 5-1 I'm going for. 5-1. Joe, what about you? Um, I think 4-1. Okay. So massive, massive trumpings here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go for a more cautious 3-0. Uh, and I'm also going to predict that I will get to sit with Jonathan earlier than I did the last time he invited me, which means I will have time to uh, eat the wonderful uh, hospitality food that is available uh, in good time. I managed to woof down a roast beef and Yorkshire pudding in 10 minutes and topped it off with a pint of lager uh, last time. So I, I, I will I will meet Jonathan earlier this time. So I may not see my, my, my friends in the pub as normal because I should be seeing Jonathan. But, uh, yeah, 3-0 for me. I, I, I really do... Th- I, I can't see us, you know... If we screw this up, then they need they need, a, they need an absolute slap. But there we go. Uh, let's be positive. We're all predicting a big win. Good. Right, now, time for a few plugs uh, before we go into part four. First, of course, as always, um, you know, the Chelsea Supporters Trust, uh, which I have the privilege to chair at the moment. Uh, you can join it and get your voice heard by the club. It's absolutely free to join up to be a member. Um, but if you do want to have a badge and uh, if you do want to vote uh, in the elections and if you do want to attend the meetings, then you do need to pay five quid. But anybody can be a member. It's free to join. You just go to the website, com, find the join up page, and uh, and then you can be a member of the trust. And uh, and then you can have a, a say in the issues that directly affect you and uh, make sure you get your voice heard. You can also follow them, of course, on at Chelsea S Trust. Uh, another very worthwhile organisation whose AGM will be coming up in January is the Chelsea Pitch Owners. Now, if you want to own a little bit of Chelsea and protect the future of the club, go and buy a share in the CPO 
Uh, of course, they own the freehold of Stamford Bridge and their aim is to ensure that Chelsea Football Club will remain playing at Stamford Bridge forever and ever and ever. Amen. Uh, if you want to know how to buy a share, what you have to do, e- well, you could email them, email info at chelseapitchowners.com or check out the website uh, and you'll find them at chelseafc.com forward slash fans forward slash Chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners and you can follow them on Twitter at pitch owners. Now, as Marco will tell you, uh, the deadline for the CFC UK scribes is midnight tomorrow. Um, I haven't started yet, uh, but I do have one in the pipeline. Marco, have you written yours yet? No. <coughs> No, I've got, no, I've got one in the departure lounge, which uh, <laughs> I'm going to fire off on the Rattler back to London tomorrow. That's what uh, I like to hear. Yeah, I mean, because of course, because it's a day off tomorrow, I might actually be able to write mine tomorrow morning uh, rather than wait till about half past eleven, uh, which is what I normally do, uh, just to irritate Dave. Uh, no, he he knows. I, I I've never let him down. I've never let him down. Even when I went away, I went on holiday to uh, Australia, and we went via Singapore. And I'm sitting absolutely shit faced. I've been out on the piss. I think I've been drinking Singapore slings. And then I got back to the hotel. And I said to my wife, "Oh my god, I've really just realised it's the CFC UK deadline." And I actually worked out the time difference. And although it was it was it was in the afternoon in Singapore, it was actually. Hadn't, it wasn't midnight yet in England, so I had time to write it, and I wrote it and pinged it off to Dave, so I've never let him down. So I'll be writing mine on uh, on tomorrow morning as well. Now, uh, the latest issue will therefore be available, I would imagine, Arsenal, Monaco? No, no. Norwich? Too soon, Norwich, I think. Yeah, no. Norwich. Yeah, it'll be available um, before the Norwich game if you go into that. And then, of course, it'll be, as it always is, it'll be at the CFC UK store, manned by the wonderful Marco, who, who's out there in all weathers. Uh, bless his heart. Um, so always be kind to Marco when you see him at the store. Buy him a hot drink, or better still, uh, some rum, or better still, some of that mad stuff that, uh, what's his, I can't remember his name now. The Kai, the Kai, yeah, you know, that's the one. Yeah, he yeah, he brings some, some, some weird alcohol, which warms Marco up. But anyway, get it at the CFC UK store opposite Fulham Broadway. Uh, if you can't ever make it there, you can always get it digitally uh, by subscribing online at cfcuk.net. If you're in the US, uh, follow at CFC UK USA or get in touch with Dan Lundberg, who is at dlundberg underscore on Twitter, and they will figure out how to get you a copy if you live in the States. And I think you can subscribe to them and, and they'll make sure you get it every month. Right, I've got, I've got a special kind of text from... Uh, from Martin Wickham, the lovely Martin Wickham, one of my drinking buddies, and uh, well, he's, he's an ex-buddy now because he's decided to go on the uh, the Podding Shed podcast in, in, instead of being on ours, which I think is disgraceful. But uh, I still love him. Anyway, um, he sent me this. He's a quick reminder about the Wembley FC petition. Uh, basically, the FA are absolutely hammering this non-league club, Wembley FC, for, for would you believe, copyright infringement, something that Marco knows all about because he's had the, the copyright police from Chelsea down on the stool. But Wembley are firing all of their big guns on this small non-league club. And I have to be honest, it's all utterly spurious. They're, they're hammering them because they're called Wembley, which is kind of the same thing that we have, Marco, isn't it? You can't use the word Chelsea because apparently Chelsea own the word Chelsea. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, so all that happened is all, all the half-and-half half scarf vendors now sell merch with uh, Chels on it or, or Chelsea with, with an A as a four. Um, yeah, so I think 
ridiculous, to be honest. It's ridiculous. Anyway, this is awful because this is what Wembley are going to do. What Wembley, the you know, the stadium are going to do. They're going to put this non-league club out of business, which I think is absolutely awful and, and, and an embodiment of why there is so many things wrong with modern football. There's a very, very, very long uh, URL to go to to go and sign this petition, which has already got about 25,000 signatures on it, so it's touched a nerve. Um, I'll read it out. It's www.change.org forward slash P forward slash... I'll tell you what, you know what? Just just search for it on change.org, Wembley. You'll find it. Um, I will try and tweet it out and put it on Facebook as well. Um, but Martin says, please can you call the FA a load of four-letter words? And I think we would all do that. Um, a very weird message. I met a lovely lad in the Cock pub on uh, Saturday called Adam. I think it was Adam, who, who tried to thrust a fiver in my hand for which to buy a drink, which is incredibly lovely and generous of him but I, I i did kind of refuse it which is unlike me but I, I my point to adam was mate no i'm about to go so don't just give me a fiver make come back to the pub another time and we can have a beer together and i can buy you one back and i'm not i think that might have got lost in translation a bit so adam i know you listen to the show um so hopefully you'll hear this message uh but i i wasn't uh you know being rude or 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 ungrateful i think it was a lovely gesture of you but i would much prefer to have a drink and a chat with you in the pub um and and get you one back so you know i'm usually in the cock before before kickoff or or just find me on twitter at stanford chidge and we can arrange to meet up we can have a drink together because that's kind of the point but it was a lovely gesture and I, i did appreciate it and i didn't i didn't mean to seem churlish by refusing your your generous offer so i hope that squares that one uh talking of donating to us uh patreon is a wonderful website which enables people who like the show to to donate and say thank you and in a sense i've been thinking about this it's you know you pay only a pound for the cfc uk fanzine which comes out once a month so in a sense um if you paid something like well it's it's all in dollars so it'll be like a dollar fifty a show if you paid a dollar fifty a show so that's what that's six dollars a month it would be the same price as the fanzine for your four shows a month so it's just a way of saying thanks if you want to donate it's great if you don't it's no bother i won't hold it against you uh but if you do uh, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. So there you go. Now, in part four, just to wrap up, there are no emails this week, um, but I thought yeah. it would be quite... F- the poor old Jonathan, I know. He's well, Just look at it like giving him a break. But anyway, uh, 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 instead, we're going to talk a little bit about our reflections on this year and our hopes for next year. So stay with us, and we'll be back in a sec. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. The last part now, a little bit different this this uh, this week because uh, largely due to Christmas, I suspect. Um, it's uh, there are no emails this week. That's all I'm saying. There are no emails this week. But pa- panic not. Uh, what I thought we would do is instead, um, as it's the last show of the year, uh, spend a minute or two really just kind of reflecting back uh, on this year. And I've got a few questions to ask these guys. And then when we've gone through that, I thought that maybe we could have a think about our hopes for next year. So uh, I'm going to ask Jonathan first. Um, Kind of just to make it a little bit easier, Jonathan, you know, in terms of reflections, I've kind of thought, what what have been your kind of three, it doesn't have to be three, just pick out one if you want, your favourite matches from the calendar year, 
favourite players from the calendar year? And if you could could change one thing from this year, what would it be? Um, okay, um, the Man U game at home. Yeah, favourite match. Herrera being sent off, I love that. Oh yes, um, yes, yes. When they did that serial fouling and uh, he got sent off, and uh, everybody went berserk. I love that. Um, Hazard's goal against Arsenal, the Arsenal match, when uh, I thought we were great. Wasn't that last year though? Uh, was it? You sure? Yeah. Calendar year, mate. Oh, the calendar year. Sorry, mm. I keep forgetting the calendar year. Uh, um, so that was that was pre-December, was it, last year? Mm. Was it really? God, it goes to show. I was thinking of seasons. I'll give you the Leicester game then. It was in February, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, was February, it? exactly. Yeah. Okay. I'll grant you that. I think the United one was was before was in two thousand and sixteen. Oh, was it? Oh God. Anyway, the Leicester game uh, that when we won the last game of the season. Um, sorry to win the title. I mean, away. I thought that was uh, um, completely superb. Um, wonderful event. Why is that not calendar year either? No, that's definitely this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess oh, what I thought. I just suddenly got completely confused. Um, but you were you you were going. Hmm. You you didn't agree. You didn't think that was. Well, no, a good no. Idea. I think I think they're fine choices. What about what about players, mate? Um, uh, Kante, he is brilliant. You, one seems to forget how completely brilliant he is every game. You know, we say, "Oh, man of the match has it." Oh, man of the match has Pelicueta. You look back. He just the tackles he makes are out of this world. Um, he is uh, absolutely superb as a defensive midfielder. Um, great tackles. Great reader of the game. Um, uh, Alonso. Um, going forward, fantastic. As I said, great uh, eye for goal and uh, great header of the header of the ball, and keeps running. Love him, and um, and Hazard, and Hazard who comes on in leaps and bounds and should score more and should um, should play even better if he's given the opportunity. But he he comes out with these great moments of uh, of brilliance. He can be a bit passive for a bit. You think he's not been involved. And then he'll beat four players, and I think he's not protected by the referees enough. Um, I don't. I don't think they know how to deal with him at all. Uh, referees, I just don't think they. Uh, they presume they don't. They don't see that kind of skill. Well, they're seeing it more with with City this year, but I still don't think City have got a t- the same type of player as uh, as he is. He's uh, uh, remarkable, wonderful. We should we should be um, enjoying him in the same way that we enjoyed Zola. In the same way, one of the things I find uh, getting older is you just you accept players are great, and you don't quite um, when you watch a game you don't look at them you don't look at the game and think this ultimately he won't be here and he will have left or he will have been too old. We must relish these moments of watching these fabulous players playing at the bridge or playing away for Chelsea. They're they're phenomenal, and he's a phenomenal player. Hazard. So. Wise words, mate, I think. Those are very, very wise words. Now, I mean, if you could change one thing from uh, this calendar year, what would it be? And, I mean, I think just a general kind of reflection on this year, you know, how, how has it been for you in, in terms of um, Chelsea? I, I, I would never... Oh, I was about to say I would never have played cricket because I've torn my cartilage and <laughs> and I can, uh, I can hardly walk and it is one of the most depre- depressing experiences, shuffling down the road like an old bloke and people push you, and people are quicker than you, and the the number of times you find yourself pivoting on your bad leg, it is so annoying. But anyway, um, um, what would I have thought, if it changed one thing, what it would be? I would have changed... um, uh, uh, Is Mourinho still part of the calendar year? 
Was that um, no, not not for us. Not for us. Not for us. Because if that had been the case, I'd have changed his personality so that um, he became. He was. Uh, uh, he'd stayed with us ever since his very first um, incarnation and not left. And then we'd have won everything with him. Um, not necessarily. Um, uh, what would it be? Um, oh, I don't really. I was very happy with it when we won the league. I don't think I'd change anything. Um, okay. Uh, I'd like Louise not to have had an enormous row with him and not be on his way. Because mm. I think that's going to happen. And uh, I'm fond of Louise. I think Louise is a character. And I think he put in a fabulous performance for us winning the league. Um, and I was hoping for uh, he would maintain a, ma a mature, the mature status that he had. Um, and it's I don't think it's to be. I think it's uh, it, the row is insurmountable. I think he's on his way. Okay. Well, on that happy note, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass the same questions on to Joe. Uh, favorite matches of this calendar year. Favorite players. General reflection on the year. And uh, if you could change one thing, what would it be? Three favorite matches. Um, I'll go when we beat Tottenham four two in the FA Cup semi final. Yeah, Matic is uh, ridiculous. <laughs> that whole game was was incredible. Um, probably the 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 game we beat City two one at Stamford Bridge. Not an excellent performance, but I think given that we were in Europe, it was it was one of the only games that had that kind of European big game feel. And it was uh, nice to see Hazard pop up with two goals and, and win the game there. I think that was a real kind of moment. We, we knew we were probably going to win the title. And then probably one from this season, the Atletico Madrid game away. Uh, I think probably one of the best European performances Chelsea have ever put in. Um, just an incredible game to watch us to really just go to a top European team and just completely take them to pieces. And obviously, Batshuayi's uh, last-minute winner was kind of the icing on the cake there. So, yeah, those would be my three games. <clears throat> Players-wise, um, Kante, Azpilicueta and Hazard. I think Kante is just, yeah, you can see the difference when he's not playing. I think that's probably the biggest compliment you can give to him. Hazard, pretty much the reason that you, you know, he's one of the, the few players in, in world football that you, you pay money to go and watch him play, particularly when he's, He's completely at it. I think he's incredible to watch. And just think Asprey Lequeta is, is slowly becoming sort of a new Mr. Chelsea. You know, an incredible, consistent player, incredibly committed player. Um, player who plays the game in the right way, right spirit, has the right kind of attitude all the time. Very rarely, even if we play particularly poorly, I think Asprey Lequeta's attitude can never really be questioned in games. And, you know, I think uh, Mourinho had a point when he said 11 Asprey Lequetas would win a Champions League. So, yeah, um, Asprey Lequeta, yeah, Kante and Hazard. I want one thing to change. Um, I would have loved to have beaten Arsenal in the FA Cup final. I'm really, 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 really disappointed that we didn't do the double, um, particularly because it, it was just one of those games where we just didn't turn up. And I, I've got no problems if we turned up and Arsenal rolled back the years and put in a performance and completely deserved to win. But I think we just shot ourselves in the foot that game. We were completely asleep. Um, yeah, that, that would have been the, the one thing that I would have changed. Good answer. And, and a general reflection on the year, Joe? Yeah, I think pretty positive. Um, I think uh, there's a little bit of a, a kind of background soap opera at Chelsea, this kind of Conte, will he, won't he stay, what's happening in January kind of thing, which I, I would like to change. Probably that would be another thing I would like to change, just some of the dramatic stuff behind the scenes at Chelsea. But in general, no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy, obviously, with, with, the, with the league title. Um, I think, again, you know, now we've sort of seen the, the, the sort of benchmark for playing every three days. I think we know that we have to kind of improve to sort of get back up there again. But I'm quite positive, um, particularly with Conte, if he can sort of rediscover some of that innovation that he had last season to sort of kickstart the uh, the second half of the season. Um, you know, as long as we finish above Man United in second, I'd be very happy with the season. So, yeah. 
good. Uh, Marco, to you, same questions. Um, oh, best moment that hasn't been mentioned already. Um, I'd, I'd say probably the, the, the Watford home game after we won the league away at West Brom. When I mean, it, I just thought it was great. It was kind of like brewing all season, just that uniform support. Um, you know, with Antonio, Antonio bellowing round the bridge, um, sort of makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand on end. And that, that game against Watford, when his missus turned up and started crying, um, you know, all of that is kind of like makes it all worthwhile. You know, you go go to the games. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I would say that that Tottenham game when Matic scored his thunderbolt and, and and there was a fire drill in the Tottenham end. You know, money can't buy um, <laughs> stuff like that. It's, 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 it's almost better. I mean, yeah, you know, and Joe's right. I mean, God, I don't know what happened on Cup final day, but what what a, what a letdown. Um, so, yeah, definitely would have uh, looked to change that. And the players, yeah, it's all been said, you know, Aspilicueta for me um, epitomises everything that I want to see in the Chelsea player. Um, wonderful, you know, that, that Hazard goal against as against Arsenal, you know, his performance in general. Um, you know, every, everything came together, didn't it, last season? Um, less so this season. Uh yeah, you kind of get. We all know, don't we? I think we all know now that that pipe dream about building a dynasty. You know, when when Mourinho came back, that's it. Uh, he was going to lead us through the rebuilding phase of uh, the bridge and be there to lead the team out. Um, you know, at the new uh, with the new stadium being opened, it's all bollocks. So I went through the same process when when we won the league. Under Conte last week, oh yeah, he's going to be here forever. It's just not going to happen. It just doesn't happen at Chelsea. And um, you know, I've had to lock myself in a dark room and get over that. Um, and I've come out the other side. And you know, the, the way I, the way I love my Chelsea, it's like it's boom and bust. I'm used to that. Um, would 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 it be nice to have it any other way? Maybe, but we might just end up like Arsenal then. God help us. So. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just take it as it comes. Um, see what happens. You know, be interesting to see what happens in January. Could transform our season. You know, who knows? We could win the Champions League. You just never know with Chelsea, and that's the best thing about it. There we go. I'm, I'm almost tempted to end the show on that. That was wonderfully, wonderfully put, Marco. But then I deprived myself of, of, of my answers, which would be terrible. Although I have to say, I'm, I'm not going to deviate too much from you lot. I'm, uh, you know, I, I certainly think in terms of my favourite match, I think I think the winning the title at West Brom away was special. Um, but I kind of was gutted that I wasn't there, so that rankles a little bit. But uh, <clears throat> beating Tottenham four two in the FA Cup semi final was just hilarious. I never I never tire of beating Tottenham. Never ever tire of it. And as Marco said, um, the fire drill that uh, erupted after that, after the third or I think it was the third goal really, let alone the fourth one went in was just wonderful to behold i really enjoyed that um i also actually really enjoyed something that you none of you have mentioned and that was us beating tottenham in the first game of the season at wembley to ruin their wembley party 
Oh, uh, when we were when we, when we were nailed on to lose that, we had injuries all over the shop. Tottenham were really, you know, well up for it, and we absolutely pissed on their strawberry patch, and I think that was hilarious. Um, so uh, I'm quite quite I, I really enjoyed that, and I think the performance of the year, the calendar year. I, I share share Joe's sentiments on this. I think I think what we did to let it go away is one of the best performances I've seen us put in for five, six years maybe. I thought that was really, really special and I really enjoyed that. Um, so bizarrely, I've chosen three matches that I wasn't actually at, which is quite bizarre, but those would be they. Uh, in terms of players, um, I absolutely agree with all of you. I mean, and, and I think particularly what Jonathan said, you know, he's right. You know, we, we are really blessed to have a player with the talent of Eden Hazard playing at the club at the moment and we really really should cherish what we see every week with this guy because he really is special and it's an absolute joy uh, to, to watch him play every week and I don't begrudge a penny that I spend on, on watching the club when I have to see a player like Hazard every week. Um, Aspilicueta I, I just love and adore because you know as we were saying earlier on he, he's there's something quite old school about him and there's something, there's an honesty about him that I love. He's a proper Chelsea player, and I absolutely adore him. Um, and I think it would be remiss not to mention Kante, who's just a phenomenal, phenomenal player. And and I think like like Aspilicueta, wonderfully humble, a bit of a throwback, you know, not flashy, not a tantrum kind of player at all. But he really is the uh, the oil that makes the engine run. I think, and uh, it's a joy to watch somebody as good as him as well, week in week out. But they're all a great bunch of players, and I love them all. But if I had to single three of them out, it would be those three. Um, if I could change anything, it would be, you know, not losing that FA Cup to Arsenal, which was just such a letdown after winning the league. Um, I mean, you know, Arsenal, you expect to beat them. And and it was just such a miserable, miserable day losing to them, largely because we just didn't turn up, you know. And I don't mind getting beaten, you know, if we put in some effort, but uh, we just didn't turn up. And that, that was... Really, really disappointing. Um, in terms of the hopes for next year, I mean, I think the lads have already kind of put in their pennyworth there. But I think going back to Hazard, um, you know, we really need to do everything we can to keep him at the club. Uh, and you know, this summer is going to be a bit uh, worrying, I think, with uh, with Real Madrid sniffing around like a like a, a rich sugar daddy around your girlfriend. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we need to do everything we can to keep Hazard. Um, I would like to see us... Uh, I would love to see us make a real challenge for the Champions League this year. Um, it's not going to be easy, but, uh, you know, given that we're not going to get any joy out of the Premier League this year, um, it would be lovely to have a little bit of a journey in the Champions League, surprise a few people, get to the semi-final, maybe even the final. That would be wonderful. I think we all deserve that. So I'd say those are my two hopes for this year. But generally, it's been a great year, guys. I mean, I, I, I've, I've really enjoyed I mean, obviously, how can you not enjoy it when Chelsea win the title? I mean, it doesn't get much better than that for us. So I've really enjoyed that. But on a personal note, I've, I've really enjoyed the fan cast this year. I'm really delighted the website's, you know, getting its act together. Really enjoying the shows with you lot. We've got a lovely team of people. And uh, bless their hearts, they they give up a usually a month, a couple of hours on a Monday evening to do it, and uh, and they they don't get enough thanks as far as I'm concerned. So bless you all for for taking part of that. So there we go. Um, that's that's that for uh, our kind of reflections of this year and our hopes for next year. Unless the boys have anything to add. Oh, tumbleweed. 
tumbleweed. You're all you're talked out, aren't you? Well, in that case, let's just bugger off and let's go and have an earlyish night. Although we've already done our two hours, I don't know where that time went. Uh, just a quick uh, note: uh, we will be back obviously next week, uh, and uh, with, you know, I, I can't let Jonathan off that easy. Um, you know, he's had no emails to read out tonight, so we do love to get your emails, uh, and we'll always try and read them out on the show, as you know. So do send them to chelseafarancast at gmail dot com. Uh, the deadline. Uh, for the next show will be the 3rd of January. So make sure you get any in before then, if indeed you intend to do so. We do have one, Jonathan, which is a reply from the hilariously pithy email from Sid, uh, moaning about your rumours. He has responded, but I thought I'd save it till next week. So oh, I look forward to that. Thank you, that'd be great, yeah. I know, I know. Well, that that actually was quite entertaining, so I, I hope this will be a discourse that will run and run. Anyway, that, uh, my dear people, is all we've got time for this year. Uh, we will return next year on Thursday, January the 4th at 7 o'clock. And uh, I'll be joined by Jonathan, of course, uh, Clayton Beerman. And as Marco says, everybody should be called Beerman, shouldn't they? Indeed. Beerman. And uh, so we've got Clayton Beerman. And we've also got Liam Toomey from ESPN. And uh, we're going to be reporting back on the Stoke and the Arsenal matches and hopefully having a look at what might happen and what needs to happen in the transfer window. Uh, this is a good point to to applaud uh, the wonderful Keon Carbis for upping the game on the Chelsea Fancast website. And uh, as you know, if you've been, been looking at it, we've got regular content going up during the week. So make sure you give it a look at ChelseaFancast.com. And of course, everything we write, uh, including, you know, I do lots of, uh, write, you know, peculiarly, I don't write much my own website because that's how I roll. But I do write regularly for Football.London and Yahoo uh, UK Sport. Uh, so look out for those in the week, uh, of course, on the Chelsea Fancast blogs. Uh, and you'll find them on the site, as I said, at ChelseaFancast.com and our Facebook page and Twitter usually pump them out as well that's facebook.com uh, slash chelsea fancast and of course at chelsea fancast now you can follow everybody that you hear on the show uh, particularly tonight me at stanford chidge on twitter jonathan at jonathan kid marco at gate 17 marco and uh, joe will have to remind me because I, I, I know he's not cfcgwlb <laughs> it's just it's just joe tweedy it's just Joe Tweedy, isn't it? Yeah, you, you you change it a little bit, I think, now and again. So I'm never quite sure. So yes, Joe at Joe Tweedy. So there you go. And Joe was always worth a bit of a dialogue and a debate with uh, on Twitter, but he suffers. He does not suffer fools, isn't that right, Joe? Yes, sadly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I read it and, and laughed. Sorry, go on, mate. I'm sort of like a nice guy, very chill, relaxed person, but. After the 300th person sort of pokes you on Twitter, sometimes I have to give them both barrels, which yeah. is unfortunate. But, uh, yeah, occasionally it will happen. You just mute them, mate. That's the easiest just way. Mute. Yeah, yeah. I'd have don't, they... probably 99% of Twitter in that case, change. <laughs> well, I know, but you see, they don't know if you've muted them. That's the beautiful way about it. If you block somebody, they know. But if you mute them, they don't know. It's it's a really good way of doing it. Uh, not that I ever do, of course, because I'm far too nice. <laughs> but anyway, uh, well done, Joe. Keep keep the fight going. It's lovely to see you do that. Now, uh, on, and I also should say thanks to everybody who writes for the Chelsea Fancast website. Um, that would be Jonathan Ellis, uh, Clayton, Martin Wickham, Ken Barkway. Mike Fe uh, Ferry, loads of you. So uh, many, many thanks for doing all that. Right, on behalf of us all, uh, I would like to wish you lot out there who listen to the podcast and, of course, on Mixler every week, a very, very, very happy New Year, wherever you're going to be or wherever you are. And, of course, thank you so much for your support this year. Um, without you out there listening to it, we, we just wouldn't do it. So uh, thank you very much. Give yourselves a big pat on the back. Uh, and a massive, massive thanks, as always, to my, my great mate Marco. Happy New Year to you, mate. And you, mate. 
best and see you on Saturday. You will see. Well, you will. I will make sure I, I pop over to you first before I head off for the luxuriant three-course meal that awaits me uh, because I'm going to the game with Jonathan on Saturday. But I, I, I won't forget who my friends are. Jonathan, Hello. talking of Hello. which, uh, a very happy New Year to you and thank you for all of your tremendous hard work on this this year and your massive, massive support. It's much appreciated. No, Chidge, hugely enjoyable as always. It's a, a labour of love, Chidge. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. And I should, I should really look forward to Saturday. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that because I now know the score. So I won't turn up 10 minutes before. I, we, will, we will arrange to meet at the right time and I will enjoy the full experience that you have to offer. And I cannot wait. So that'd be great fun. Uh, Joe, as always, mate, uh, a massive uh, shout out to you tonight because, uh, you know, we, we only got you on with about uh, an hour to go. So that's really, really superb of you for stepping in and filling the breach. Thanks to Alex being stuck in Ikea. So <laughs> thank you so much. And it's always, always lovely to see you. It's a shame we don't see you as much as we used to, mate. Yeah, no, hopefully uh, I should be coming back a little, little bit more regularly uh, next year. So should be seeing me at a few games at least. Good, good stuff, mate. I look forward to that. Let me know when you are. Right, Morning. that's enough. Uh, okay, Mixler people, you're brilliant too. Thank you for being in here every week. It's really appreciated. Uh, thank you all for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chels. Up the chills! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 